Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. My name is Kevin Clark, and I, along with Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, it is our pleasure to bring to you this podcast, and very thankful for the audience that we have, very thankful for uh, the compliments that we get many times for the work that we're doing. There's such a great appreciation for God's Word and the time that we spend with it. it we try to make it digestible. It's not too long or too short, we think just right and uh, we encourage people to get involved spread the word there are a lot of good things in god's word that we can talk about and uh, really hope that uh, you've been benefited we've been talking a lot about this idea of pursuing holiness and we do that because we serve and we love and we uh, are, are pursuing a relationship with a holy god and that holy god has made it clear that if we want to have a relationship with him we must be holy people and so we've been talking about many different ways that we can be holy and some ways in which we can be unholy that we have to be careful to guard against in our personal lives uh, we also want to thank as we always do our deacons here who make this podcast possible we're talking about jason reed and mark townsend want to thank them for lending their talents and abilities and knowledge uh, to this uh, endeavor and we're so very thankful for you and thankful for this technology it's an amazing thing that we sitting here in the birmingham area can have an audience not only across the nation but literally in many respects across the world and we thank you for tuning in uh bob you have some introductory comments well i would just say i was, I was thinking about how um you know we we we're in, trying to encourage people to pursue holiness. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a serious thing. You know, we, we don't want to be casual right. about our faith or casual about our relationship with God. We want to take it seriously. We want to strive to, to do better, become more and more the kind of people that the Lord would have us to be. And so uh, we, we hope that we are reaching people who are serious mm-hmm. about their faith and serious about their relationship with God and who will commit themselves to pursue holiness and become more and more well-developed in that holiness in their lives. Amen. Thank you. Well said. Well, as we said, there are so many facets to holiness, and we've addressed some of those, and we wanted to turn this podcast to yet another facet, and that is talking about the subject of anger and wrath, and in particular, unjustified anger and wrath. Uh, Certainly, that is a subject that we are all too familiar with. Uh, especially in this day and age. There just seems to be a lot of anger in our society. There's a lot of anger about politicians. There's a lot of anger about the economy. There's a lot of anger about cultural changes that we are seeing, Uh, a lot of angry rhetoric. There are a lot of things that are being done, uh, violence that's being committed in anger. And so we do have an anger problem as a society. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us have anger problems as an individual. And so what does the Bible have to say about that? Does that pertain to holiness? It does. And uh, we have to live a self-controlled life. And part of that control that we're supposed to exert over ourselves is the control over our anger. And so we're going to talk about be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. That verse or that phrase is taken from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. I want to direct everybody's minds to that. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 26. The Bible says very simply, be angry. This is New King James Version. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, and I'll finish up with 27, nor give place to the devil. Be angry and do not sin. Now, that's an interesting concept because there are passages that talk about anger being a work of the flesh. Uh, Anger is clearly condemned, and yet we want to keep in mind as we look at those passages that it is possible to be angry and to not sin. That's exactly what Paul says by inspiration, that there are times that we can be righteously indignant, as we sometimes say, 
and not turn that righteous indignation into a violation of God's law. And one of the ways we're told that, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. The idea that, that anger ought to be temporary, anger ought to be resolved, anger ought not stew and ought not set up in our lives. We ought not let it convert into bitterness. Uh, I've known several married couples who say that they adopt this in a very literal way in their relationships, and they say we do not go to bed angry with one another. Either we basically let the thing go that's annoyed us or irritated us or gotten us angry, or we proactively work it out. But the idea is don't let that set up shop in your heart. Be angry and do not sin. When I think about that phrase, the, the, the best way for me to understand it is to think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know from Hebrews 4, uh, 15 through 16, that he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. So what that tells us is as we look at the Lord's life and his earthly ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every situation that we see him in, we know that he did not sin. And there are a couple of things I want to bring to your attention or bring to the audience's attention as we deal with this concept of uh, be angry and do not sin. Mark chapter 3 is an example, I think, of this very concept. Mark chapter 3, beginning verse 1, and he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now listen to this description of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. And so we see an example here of Jesus being angry. And certainly as we established from Hebrews 4, 15 through 17, he did not sin in that. So this is a great example of Hebrews 4, 26. Be angry, do not sin. Why was he angry? Because it says because of the hardness of their hearts. These individuals, the Pharisees, they weren't concerned about the plight of this man. There was no sympathy for his condition. There was no empathy for his pain. All they wanted to do is to see, ooh, can we catch Jesus doing something he ought not do on Sabbath? Of course, that was incorrect from their thinking, but that made the Lord angry. And he was grieved because of that. And he went ahead and did what he should have done anyway, which is to heal the man. He made the point, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? I'm really upbraiding them with this rhetorical question. But the point we want to make is that the Lord was able to feel anger, to exhibit anger, to have anger, and yet not sin. That's exactly what we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Brother Hutto, you have some things? Well, the wrath of Jesus is consistent with the wrath of God. That's right. You know, God... God at times is angry. That's he is right. a wrathful God. So I thought of Romans chapter 1, yes. verse 18. Yes. The wrath of God That's is revealed. revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Absolutely. We have men here in Mark chapter 3 who are suppressing the truth mm -hmm. in unrighteousness. They're mm -hmm. unmerciful, right. uh, no compassion for the man, using the man, using the opportunity really uh, to try to find something to accuse Jesus with. Absolutely. And of course that makes... That makes the Lord angry, makes God angry That's right. when people are so unjust and so really hypocritical in, in their actions. So it's not surprising that we find Christ exhibiting anger sometimes right. because throughout the Bible we see God's wrath being stirred up 
by human sin. That's a great point. And we want to juxtapose that now with the wrath of man, which unfortunately too many of us fall prey to in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. And uh, you can hear what the Lord tells us about that. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I love this. This concept, we ought to be slow to wrath. It ought to take us a lot to get worked up to the point where we're angry and, and, and especially wrathful, which is kind of a, a more severe degree of anger. Uh, and, and it gives us a very simple reason. The wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Think about it. You don't see too many wrathful people who are speaking kindly. We don't see too many wrathful people who are being gracious. We don't see too many wrathful people who are effective in sharing the gospel. We don't see wrathful people who are able to control their emotions. I mean, there's so many things that come from wrath. Profanity, vicious and abusive speech, uh, a loss of control, sometimes violence, sometimes the ultimate in violence, murder. Uh, there are so many difficult things, the loss of control of the tongue. And it says very simply, these things are the antithesis of the righteousness of God. So you know what the, the formula is? Don't get to that state. Make it something that you rarely ever experience in your life. Be slow to wrath. Be swift to hear. And so we need to be real careful. If we are people who are given, we have this what we call the hair trigger temper, that's not conducive with doing the work that God has us to do. You can't be a faithful child of God and be an anger-prone person. And so you're going to have to get that out. And here's the thing. If the Lord is telling us this, guess what? We can get rid of that. We've, I've heard people sometimes say, well, that's just my personality. That's how I was raised. That's my culture. That's who I am. All of that is not true because the Lord says we can control these things. And we must control these things in order to produce the righteousness of God. Looks like you have a thought in mind. Well, I was, I was just thinking about all the things, and you've touched on it, all the things that are produced, negative things that are produced by, by anger. In, in the Ephesians 4 passage, yes. a little bit further down at the end of the chapter, let all bitterness mm -hmm. and wrath and anger and clamor be, and slander be put mm -hmm. away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. And so look at the things associated with, with anger. Right. Uh, there's bitterness, wrath and anger, clamor, mm -hmm. slander. Mm -hmm. Some of those are words that apply to our speech, but, right. but not all of them. Um, there's a couple of different kinds of anger, isn't there? Right. There's the, the sudden burst right, right. of anger that right. you know just comes over us in a flash, and yep. maybe we just lash out at somebody or say something we shouldn't say. But then there's, you know, we call it the slow, slow burn. burn. <laughs> it's sort of underneath yeah. the surface. It's just seething there over a long, sometimes over a long period of right. time. And what it produces is, yes. is really very negative. It it wears on the person who's angry, makes That's them right. bitter. That's right. And so forth. And so we, we the Bible doesn't say don't be angry. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we see things that are not right, right. we should be angry. If, right. we, if we if we are apathetic, that, that right. wouldn't be good. That's right. But we we control the anger. Right. We don't let the anger control us. We control it and we direct those angry feelings or we direct that emotion. To, to being productive and That's providing it. a solution to a problem instead yep. of making it worse. When you said that outburst, I couldn't help but think about Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about the works of the flesh. And Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath. And he goes on, he says, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, 
that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so very clearly, if you are practicing outbursts of wrath, he says, first of all, that's a work of the flesh. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to pursue holiness. And so those two things are inconsistent. But then he goes on to say, and there is no way you can inherit the kingdom of God if you're a person that walks in those outbursts of wrath. And so it's telling us we have to control our emotions. We have to control our anger. You remember, that was the problem that Cain had getting back to Genesis chapter 4. This problem of anger has been with us from the very beginning. You remember that there were two sacrifices that were offered. Uh, Cain's sacrifice was rejected. Abel's was accepted. Uh, Cain, his countenance fell. I want to read what he says uh, in Genesis chapter 4 and beginning with verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And I love what the Lord says is, you need to control yourself. He got upset. Well, he had no reason to get upset because we know from Hebrews 11 that Abel offered a better sacrifice by faith. And so there was moral culpability on Cain in not offering a sacrifice that the Lord was pleased with. That's his fault. But he got angry. He got very angry. And the Lord warned him, if you don't keep that under control, sin lies at the door. It's right. And yeah. sure enough, that's what happened. He ended up killing his brother, the first murder that we have recorded in the Bible because of his uncontrolled anger. I wondered if that's not what lies behind don't, don't give the devil an opportunity. Yes. Well, you see a, a prime yes. example of that in, in Cain and yes, Abel. Yes, absolutely. You know, I was wondering about Romans chapter 1, verse mm -hmm. 18. What, are, what does God uh, become angry with? What, mm -hmm. what stirs his wrath? Mm -hmm. Well, ungodliness and yeah. unrighteousness. What provokes our wrath? Is it the same? Is it the same thing? It should be, but yeah, a lot of times it's not. <laughs> so think about, yeah, think about yeah. Well, what is it that makes me mad? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's when I don't get my way. Yeah. When I feel like somebody has uh, cut me off in traffic yep. or slighted me in some way, it's really kind of selfish. That's a great Self-centered. Yep. I didn't. You didn't do it the way I wanted you to do it, and so right. you made me mad. Right. It's not like God's wrath at all. That's a great point. Yeah, very much. So. I like that. Because you're right. The things we get angry about are very pity, petty. Sometimes it's our pride. Somebody embarrassed us. Somebody humiliated us. Or things weren't done to our liking. Or we were inconvenienced in some way. All very selfish things. I like the idea that if we want to be angry and not sin, we need to model our anger after the anger of God. And we're giving the kind of things that make God mad. And those things are not selfish. That's a great point. Appreciate that. And so it looks like our time is getting out. Um, I, I did want to suggest this, that it is something that we can control. Uh, if we couldn't control, the Lord would not demand it of us. And so it's like many things. I think you said in a previous podcast that we have to practice holiness. holiness. We have to train ourselves. This is an area where I, I know from personal experience, you have to train yourself. You have to work on it. You have to, to, to set yourself a goal. I'm going to keep this under control. Here's some practical pointers. Start thinking about along the lines of what you're saying. What are the things in my life that make me angry? What are the things that make me mad? Once you've identified those things, then you know when you're presented with those, you need to be hyper vigilant about controlling your emotions. Because you know these are the kinds of things that make you upset. You know the things that do. that, that make, And so, and think of some positive things. Uh, if you do get angry, how can, as you say, channel the anger constructively? And I love your point about let's let our anger mirror the anger of God. God is angry at the right things. So many times we're angry at the wrong things. So we've talked about pursuing holiness and we can get better at it. Yes. You know, we, 
sometimes, as you mentioned, I think earlier in the podcast, uh, some people sort of use this as a crutch. Well, I've got an anger problem. Exactly. I've always had an anger right. problem. Well, you should be getting better. Exactly. You know, if you've been a Christian 20, 30, 40 years, yes. you should be better at controlling your anger Amen. than you were at the beginning. And so get, don't use it as an, as an excuse or as a crutch. Determine that I'm going to get better at controlling my anger. Right. And we can do that. You That's can, exactly can do right. And one other thought I'll give you, and, and there may be more that we say in a future podcast on this. Always remember what we're here about. I think the, th- the times when I've let anger get the best of me, I forgot that I'm in the soul winning business. Ultimately, mm-hmm. we want to win souls to Jesus. So you would never want to get so angry at somebody that you say something or lash out or you treat somebody in a way that makes it less likely you're going to be able to lead that person to Christ. So when we start looking at things through a spiritual lens, I just think it's a much different way of looking at it. And the things that get us angry, really, if you think about it, you know, 50 years from now, uh, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, and certainly in eternity from now, is that really going to matter? No. But what does matter is the souls and whether those souls have been won to Christ. We've been put here for the mission of winning souls for Jesus Christ. And so let us never let our anger or our irritation or annoyance get in the way of that holy mission that we have. All right, well, we've run out of time, as is so often the case. We have more to say, and perhaps we can say it in a different and future podcast. But we also want to end every podcast with a prayer, as we normally do. And so I'll ask uh, my brother Bob Hutto to lead us in a word of prayer. Okay, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the opportunity to come before you and to express our uh, express ourselves to you, to make our requests known to you, to praise you in in prayer and what we say, to to honor you. And, and Father, we're so thankful that you're willing to hear our prayers. Father, we do praise you for your your greatness, your majesty, your splendor, for your great great wisdom, for your generosity and your kindness. And for the love that you've bestowed upon us, especially bestowing that love on us through your son, Jesus. We're thankful that he came to earth, that he lived among us, that he uh, took our sins upon himself to the cross so that uh, we might be forgiven through, through his blood. Father, help us every day to, to look to him as our leader and our guide to follow in his footsteps. Father, in this particular case, we pray that uh, we'll... Uh, become better and better at controlling our anger, that we'll be like you, that we'll become angry with the right things, with unrighteousness and unholiness, and and yet even then, that we will control our anger and that we might address these issues as you would address them, as you would have us to address them. Father, help us to, when we we become angry, to, to see it and identify it, and bring it under control so that it won't lead to other problems, to uh, the situation won't become complicated by the things that we say or the things that we do in anger. And so help us, Father, to control those uh, uh, angry feelings that arise in us from time to time. Father, we pray that we'll always be mindful of our influence on others, that we represent you, that we represent Christ, that we represent Christ's people And Father, when situations develop that irritate us, frustrate us, that make us angry, that that we'll understand that people are watching us and that we do represent you and your people and help us in those situations to respond in a way, in the way that we should, in a way that is consistent with uh, the character of Christ. Our Father, we pray that you'll continue to bless us each day, that you'll provide for us, and that you'll guide us in the way that we ought to go. 
And uh, Father, we pray that you'll continue to help us through this life as we prepare for an eternity in your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.